Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about movies off the 200 best horror movies. Damn it. <laughs> I, went, I went too hard too fast. You were all on top of it with like professional radio clay voice. I thought I was going to get the Ace Ventura one breath <laughs> thing, but it didn't work. Uh, the horror movie podcast where we talk about movies off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 best horror movies of all time list. My name is Clay, and with me, as always, is Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, before we get started with our <laughs> wild card episode, we do have yes. to check back in with our list. Yes. Uh, because there has been some fewer shakeups than in the past. Like, generally, mm. everything kind of shifts. Yeah. Um, there have been fewer this time, but they are fairly significant. Okay. So uh, there's been there was a handful of movies that shifted one number up or down, some... which is the kind of the usual when we come into one of these like everything's moved, surprise. Our yeah. numbering scheme makes no sense anymore. Yeah, there's a couple that have moved a couple off and are now back to their original number. Mm. But the uh, uh, the headline item here mm-hmm. is that The Shining, yes, which has been sort of our barometer for a. Uh, what's wrong with the rating system? What's wrong with the rating system? And also be like, which side of The Shining should a movie be on when we we talk about where it belongs in the list? Right. Uh, It started off at number 101. Then it moved to 113. Then it moved to 111. Then it moved to 112. So it's kind of been shifting around the, the same area. Yeah. It has now jumped all the way up, all the way up the list, to 77. Okay. So it is Good. moving more towards where it should be. Still yes. probably criminally low, unfortunately. Yes, um, but less so. Taking the place at 101 is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I'm mad about that now, too. Yeah, which has which <laughs> fell down from 88 to what 101. The... <sighs> what is wrong with everyone? In probably the bit... This is interesting, because in the biggest shift... Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably, um, this one's just been bouncing all over the place. We have Ginger Snaps. Oh. Which started at number 131. Right. Then it moved to 144. Okay. Then it went up the list to 128. Then it dropped down a space to 129. And now it has jumped all the way to 147. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, like, why that one so specifically? Like... I don't know. That that one seems to be bouncing around a lot. <laughs> I really, I know we've said this kind of thing before, but I would absolutely love to talk to whoever designed the algorithm that determines this list or the editors that put it together or like whoever, whoever at Rotten Tomatoes has some insight or and or control over how this list is aggregated. Yeah. I would love to have a conversation with them and just be like, what? Uh, uh, I would love to speak to the, the, the grouping of zeros and ones that creates this list. I would like to speak to your manager, please. Yes. Bleep blorp. <laughs> uh, Black Christmas, officially, again, uh-huh. not on the list. Uh... Not, even, not even with that other name that it was under. It is no longer on the list. Oh, God. Uh, the number 200 spot right now is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 Dream Warriors. Which has been in like the the one nineties, yeah. and now is occupying the final spot there. I wonder. I mean, I'm I'm sure a lot of this shakeup is because we are in, uh, as the women on the internet like to call it, spooky season. Spooky season. Spoopy go go day. <laughs> um, 
I wonder if it's because there's a lot more attention on scary movies right now. Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, and it's just like how many how many users are reviewing. Yeah, which things and, which movie yeah. is which movie is getting the uh, uh, anniversary bump? Yeah, because people are talking about it again for the first time in forty years. Yeah, seriously. Uh, the one. Uh, just to round out the other changes, uh, we've got Black Christmas off the list. Pol- Poltergeist has gone from 127 to 140. Okay. After starting at 137, I'm so that's kind of been bouncing this. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet Place Part Two. Oh goddamn! The bloom is off the rose. Oh. No longer on the list. Wow. It was number 60 when we covered it, and now it is gone. Wow. So that that one purely was just a function of being like the hot new thing. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, the invitation was at 116, moved to 117. Now it's down okay. to 125. Uh-huh. And um, the only thing that I saw scrolling through it that I can point to as an instigator for the shakeup, yeah, is that currently on the list, uh, I don't remember what number it is because I don't have the thing up, um, <laughs> is the new Candyman from 2021. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's so, higher than the original Candyman. It's like in the like 140s or something. This sounds like a, a Quiet Place Part 2. I think so, yeah. Uh, uh, situation, though. Well, what's funny like, about it. Hey, this is out. What's funny about it, though, is Quiet Place 2 was on there like almost immediately. Yeah. Candyman's been out for a while. That's and it has true. only now jumped onto the list. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I wonder if like it's a more organic, like, People are still going to see it because they actually really like it, not just because it's like a hype machine. Yeah, and I I think a lot of people are, uh, um, are again scary movie time. Yeah, and I I think uh, what's it called uh, the Jordan Peele of it all is going to put it on there too. I don't want to say that that's like <laughs> that's a shoe in, but it yeah. seems like you know. Yeah, I mean you you yeah, it's understandable that with his last couple horror movies being such huge hits. That people would yeah there's lots of people writing about him yeah. and talking and covering them yeah. stuff and you know that's yeah. not to discount nia da costa who directed it who did a very great job but uh no. we'll get to that one eventually at some point yes. um but today we are we are this is our 45th episode which means we are um doing a wild card choice <laughs> which is my choice this time to round out our conversation on werewolf movies from 1981 <laughs> Even though we're not talking that about... That sounds like the most niche Jeopardy well, category that I've ever heard of in my life. It kind of could be because there was I like four of them. I love it. There I love was it. American Werewolf in London, which we covered. There was Wolfen, which mm. people seem to love. I thought was boring as hell. I don't ever plan on watching <laughs> that again. Uh, There's like, I think Return to Full Moon High or something like that, which was just a straight like okay. comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the movie we're talking mm. about tonight, which is The Howling. Yes. Which has always been my preferred werewolf movie in the battle of the... <laughs> uh, 1981 the werewolf 19, the, the, the prominent 1981 werewolf horror movies. Yes. Um, had you seen The Howling before? No, I had not. I hadn't even really heard of it. Really? Yeah, like I, I think I had heard like the name. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I was, sure, I, was, sure. I was vaguely aware that there was a werewolf movie called The Howling. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't even think... I don't even know if I even like specifically looked it up or if i just like scrolled through something saw a horror movie called the howling and went hmm werewolves and then just like kept going but yeah i i was pretty ignorant going into this one you know what's funny is you say hmm werewolves yeah but apparently at the time that was not 
people didn't assume werewolves because I guess one of the yeah. things they did with the marketing is they cleverly had like the the claw marks. The poster was like claw marks, mm-hmm. but then like a person's face behind it. They weren't screaming werewolf at you. Yeah. Um, it, it seems you kind of figure out what's going on fairly quickly. But yeah, yeah, but, but I, even I, so, I can, I can, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. <laughs> I imagine there's one person who who went to American Werewolf in London and was like, I just, I don't like those werewolves. I'm going to go see a regular gritty slasher movie called The Howling. Yes. Wait a minute. Yeah, Is there werewolves in this too? Second. I'm never <laughs> disappointed by the appearance of a werewolf, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, did you know there's five uh, howlings? Actually, there might actually be six that get progressively worse. And the third one, <laughs> Uh, they're actually famously bad. The Howlings okay. 2 through 5 are famously bad. And The Howling Part 3 takes place in Australia, oh. and it doesn't have werewolves in it. Are they hyenas? They're kangaroos. Kangaroos? Yeah. Or possibly marsupial. This is a marsupial, right? Oh my Kangaroo is God. a marsupial. Anyway. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining, like, <laughs> just imagining a were-kangaroo. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a really, weird-ass movie. It's really getting to me. Having um, a problem over here. I don't. I don't know what to think. I don't know how to feel about humanity. I. I might need to lie down. Yeah. Well, I. I had seen the Howling. I think I saw the Howling first before I saw American Werewolf in London, oh, and that might color yeah. my like of it a little bit. Yep. But Ooh. it also. The Howling. The Howling police are here. Uh. I also this the Howling, kind of has more of the stuff that I tend to like in it. Mm. Uh, but we can get into that more as we talk about it. But, however, <laughs> it has a uh, 72% Rotten Tomatoes score. It has a 58% audience score, which I find very surprising. Because yeah. this feels like the kind of movie that people would have fun at. I am not. I don't know why people don't like it. I got I to gotta say, I was lukewarm on this one. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. podcast over Fine. friendship over well we'll take a quick break and play the trailer and then we can decide what we're gonna do on the next episode without amanda <laughs> what do you see the howling somewhere in this city in this human jungle it begins. Just try. He's right there. What do you see? What's there, Karen? What do you see, Karen? What's there? Somewhere in these woods, in this primal, sensuous, secret place, lies an experience too terrifying for words. And now, all anyone can do is watch and wait. Tonight I'm going to show you something. Make you believe. The Howling. All 
All right, The Howling, directed by Joe Dante, written by John Sayles and Terrence H. Winkless, starring D. Wallace, Patrick McNee, Christopher Stone, Elizabeth Brooks, Kevin McCarthy, John Carradine, Slim Pickens, Robert <laughs> Picardo, Dick Miller, and the kings of boomer monster obsessions, Roger Corman and Forrest <laughs> J. Ackerman. Forrest Ackerman, if you're not familiar, is I uh, hopefully, if you're listening to a horror movie podcast, you know who Roger Corman is. If you don't, he's the the king of low budget film, basically, and he's ninety something years old. He's still producing movies. Oh wow! Yeah, but he um, he did the Edgar Allan Poe movies with Vincent Price. Uh, he did he started the biker movie craze in the sixties with Henry Fonda. Huh. He gave starts to so many people who became like massive, massive Hollywood players. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson, Francis Ford Coppola, uh, Martin Scorsese, James Cameron. Holy shit. Galen Hurd. Ton of, ton of people came through the, the Corman school, huh. uh, which teaches you how to make a good movie for no money. Yeah. Or a bad movie for no money. Yeah, either way, no money. And uh, Forrest Ackerman is the publisher of Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. He's he's the guy in the movie uh, in Dick Miller's bookstore. <clears throat> There's an older man with glasses on mm-hmm. who just has like kind of a quick interaction with Dick Miller. Yep. And when he turns around and walks away, he's holding two issues of Famous oh, Monsters of Filmland, which fun. is the magazine that many people from from Joe Dante's era and after even uh, were into and kind of got them into monster movies and stuff like that. I think they show up in. Uh, Friday the 13th part four in Tommy's bedroom somewhere. It was, oh, probably. It was, it was big in that era. Yeah. Uh, Amanda, what happens in The Howling? In Los Angeles, television jur- journalist Karen White is traumatized in the course of aiding the police in their arrest of a serial murderer. Her doctor recommends that she attend an isolated psychiatric retreat led by Dr. George Wagner. But while Karen is undergoing therapy, her colleague Chris investigates the bizarre circumstances surrounding her shock. When his work leads him to suspect the supernatural, he begins to fear for Karen's life. Okay. A wholly inaccurate summary. Yes. Yes. (laughs) The minute I got to the name Chris instead of Terry, I was like, it's misogynist bullshit right now. Yeah. Yeah, Chris really doesn't show up until the end of the movie. Yes. I, I, I applaud how quickly he decides to jump into action Yes, when yes. he's told about the werewolves, but still. Yeah, not trying to take anything away from Chris, but I just feel like... Uh, the most of... <laughs> most of the, the proactive early stuff in, in the, oh shit, what's happening here is from his girlfriend, oh, yeah. Terry. Yeah, most of Chris's screen time is spent driving to the, <laughs> to yes. the climax of yes. the movie. Well, Clay... Mm-hmm. Uh, some things you will find in this movie include mm. the best magic book store in America. I wish if they had made this movie now and I was in, like a producer, mm. I would try to pitch a spinoff that was like a horror anthology starring ah. Dick Miller in this bookstore where, you know, every book has a story, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Basically, I think what the Friday the 13th TV show was. Um, but it's so... I wish every magic book came from this store. Yes. Because it's so refreshing to see like an occult bookstore run by like a, just a guy trying to run yeah. a business. Yeah. And it's like fully light out. Like yes. there's no candles yeah. anywhere. He's like, no, that's stupid. It's a bookstore. Yeah. Like, like I, I feel like he probably 
gets coffee with Ray from Ghostbusters. Yes. Because Ray's, <laughs> Ray's a cult is across the street. Yes. They're probably talking about getting screwed by the distributors and stuff. I want to own and run and live above that bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, fireside werewolf sex. Mm. The other thing I would do if I made if I remade this movie, <laughs> I would say my pitch would be okay. We're doing the howling. We're doing the werewolf transformation sex scene for real, full on in camera transformation, A to Z werewolf sex. We're making it happen. Gross. I know it would be awesome. <laughs> uh, you will also find in this movie fuck boy Bill. Yeah. Karen's husband is a bit of a... Fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mazda shaming. In probably my favorite line of the movie. Yeah, not, which all, not all of us can afford a Mazda. I found that line so irrationally funny. I don't oh, know why. I, mean, I it, probably, it probably was more kind of straight at the time because Mazdas were probably more expensive and Right, rare. right. An imported car. Yeah. 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 But, but now watching it again, it's just such a great yeah. shitty thing to say to somebody. <laughs> And the worst hamburger ever cooked. I have to imagine that was on purpose. I really hope so, because if whoever designed and shot that end end moment thought that that was an appetizing looking hamburger, I worry for their health. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, genuinely, I have concerns. Yeah, I assume it was meant to be gross on purpose. Yeah, I would hope so. Uh, yeah, so the howling. Um yeah, I I saw this before. I think I saw this before I saw America. Honestly, I'm actually not sure now, mm. but I do know that this movie has a lot of stuff in it that, like stylistically and and execution wise, that I personally prefer over American Werewolf. Yeah, this came out. This is 1981. It feels like it's from like 1977. Yeah, it really does. It's really gritty. Yeah. Like it opens in gnarly, gross New York. Is, you know, is like, it New York or LA? Either one. It's one yeah, of the... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, yeah. it's a major city in the 70s in the United States, so it's a hellhole. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very kind of like the, 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 the city of taxi driver kind of feel. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison. Um, and you know, it opens with, with Karen... Uh, going to meet this serial killer in like in a sex store, and it's really seedy and like yeah. back rooms. And it's and got she's that, been like put up to do it by her her the TV yeah. station that she works for. Yeah, he's clearly. I is he a serial killer? He, at the yes. very least, he's a stalker of her. Yeah, he's he's definitely a serial he killer. Is, okay. They 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 there's right. like the yeah. radio or not radio. There's the, there's the announcements about it. Like you know, the known serial killer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, and, he's been stalking her. Yeah, and I, I find I find that kind of like grit and sort of like grindhousiness to it more mm. interesting, especially for a horror movie. I've always felt like American Werewolf was a little too slick for me. Mm. Um, and the, I think between the two, the the two big reasons that I prefer this are, I I think it's a lot more, um interestingly shot as far as like lighting and okay. especially when they get into the monster stuff yeah you get these really great like dark scenes with uh light coming through the slats of the windows and stuff sure and the other thing is um the monster itself i've always preferred this transformation to really to, yeah i think because it doesn't just feel like a guy 
stuck on the floor. You know, because I because I know in American Werewolf, like yeah. part part of the part of the 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 newness of it mm. is, and, and what made it kind of novel at the time is that they were showing you this transformation in like the flattest full light possible, right? And I guess, yeah, that's fine, mm. but. I find this transformation so much scarier and creepier, and I love how how much it's built into the way the guy moves and stuff. So some of his movements accent the changes. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a great moment in the middle of it where he kind of like puffs his chest out. Yeah, right as they activate this like bladder thing. Yeah, that just rips his shirt open, and mm-hmm. it just it's it's such a cool cool uh, look. And I've also. I also have always got, maybe this is a good place to jump off. Hmm. Um, I've always felt that while The Howling and American Werewolf are both very aware of the movies that they're making. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they're both chock full of wolf references and yes. various to various other literature and, and film and whatnot. I've always kind of felt like The Howling leans into it more like leans into the fact that it's making a monster movie and american werewolf has always felt like it was a little bit embarrassed that it's making a monster movie like it's a little more tongue-in-cheek yeah yeah i would i would definitely agree with the the tongue-in-cheek aspect i think it was kind of going for something a little closer to camp yeah oh definitely yeah 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 Yeah, whereas this one's playing it i don't want to say it's playing it straight but no there's eh. plenty of camp in this movie yeah but it's still trying harder to be more intense or more serious about the the werewolf aspect of it. Yeah, I feel yeah. like. So, what are your what are your general thoughts on it? Um, I mean, so I did enjoy it. I I I was saying before right before we started recording that I feel like my notes on this one are kind of scant because I actually spent a, more of my time just watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. There are parts of it that just feel either like maybe slightly missed opportunities or I don't know. There's just like, like, like so much of it is so contrived, Mm -hmm. like the whole like, oh, you know, her, her news station just like volunteering her to help the cops catch this serial killer who just so happens to have also been stalking her. Um, and then it happens and then everyone's immediately horrible to her. Yes. Yes. Like she goes through this really horrific experience of, of, of getting cornered by a serial killer mm. and she's alone. And then she watches him get murdered by the police in front of her. Like that, that's really horrifying. I feel like even in the eighties, yeah. everybody would have been like, Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. She needs like to take a vacation or something. And instead they're like, get on the news, little lady. Yeah. And it just feels a little bit like, I, I, I guess like I had a hard time with this movie at times because I found so few people to root for. Sure. And sure. like, it, it just felt like, wow. Okay. So her husband sucks. Her work sucks. Mm-hmm. Her, the city she lives in sucks. Her life kind of sucks. Her doctor sucks. And now she's been sent to this this colony place where everybody's clearly fucking insane. Yes, <laughs> like yes. like right off the bat, it's it's really obvious that everybody's kind of screwy. That's why they're there, Amanda. They're there for help. 
They're there to center yeah. themselves in yeah, werewolfness. But there's just not like there's there's not even there's like the one girl that she kind of becomes friends with while she's there. Mm-hmm. But even she's like way too into she's like, hi, it's so yeah. nice to meet yeah. you. Why don't you come with me? I'll show you everything. And it's like, yeah. don't go with her. She's crazy. Like everyone here is crazy. Yeah, I do think when it comes to I obviously this is by no means a perfect movie. Um Sure. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I'm—I'm I'm coming down kind of hard on it. I think partially because I know you like it. Yeah. So I'm gonna like doing this on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I just like making you mad. Hey. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah. I've always found the the colony aspect to be really interesting to me because why? I guess the, the if if you really want to get into this and kind of like pull it apart. I can't figure out why the idea would be to send her there. Yes. Because it's not, I mean, well, I guess they kind of, they, at the end, they kind of get into it a little bit, don't they? Where the doctor's like, she can be the one to bring us to the, basically, like, if we get this person who's on TV to turn yeah. into a werewolf, then she can reintroduce us into the modern world. Long way to go for that ham sandwich, I think. Um yeah, and and I think I think one of the things that makes this movie we both I, I kind of remarked at different times to each other I think on how it feels like it's from the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the colony adds to that because there is this sort of like almost like hippie commune, sure, sure. like which were big in the sixties and then sort of continued to exist in the seventies, but went often went very wrong. Yeah, yeah. And this place has that vibe. Mm-hmm. But it's still like like when you think that this came out in 1981, it just feels a little weird to have her going to a commune that like everyone seems to kind of know about and be generally fine with. Yeah, that's the other thing because it's like every spoiler, uh, <laughs> everybody at this colony is a werewolf, right? But the doctor wrote a book about it, and yes, you would think they are taking new people exactly so is, exactly. are there other people there who are not werewolves or is this just a community made up of entirely and, and werewolves? Like the sheriff the local sheriff is a werewolf yeah. too and it's just like i think for me at that point it's like why not just have the contrivance be here i have a i have a vacation home sure you know on the north northern california coast it's 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 rugged but it's peaceful it'll get you away from all of this yeah it'll give you a chance to you know commune with nature and recharge and just have you know the neighboring community of people who live in that area be werewolfville sure yeah yeah i think uh i i didn't look it up before this but if i remember correctly i believe the script for this was written very quickly yeah. Um and like John Sales I I believe was known for being able to hammer out pretty solid scripts very fast. Yeah. Um and I I do remember a story about him where uh if he was running behind on something, I think someone was living with him or something and he'd be typing on one thing and then the producer of his other movie would show up and he would go one second and he would take that script out and put this guy's script oh. in. Be like, hard at work, hard at work. Did you hear the typing? It was all for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think this movie suffers from having a lot of really interesting avenues to kind of make comments, but they yes. never really go all the way with it and they yeah. never really kind of like coalesce super well. 
I I agree, and I know like that like the comparison we're going to keep making, and the natural comparison for this is uh, an American Werewolf in London. Yeah, and I think part of the reason why I that that movie works for me more is not because it's like better written or better acted mm-hmm. or like makes narratively more sense. I think that movie just works for me more because I find it more fun. Sure. Okay. Like there's just a certain level of like, we're going to go fully off the wall. Yeah. We're going to have him talking to his dead best friend. Yep. We're going to have him act like a complete psycho all the time. <laughs> and I think that I just find that, I just found I just find that one more enjoyable yeah. to watch, yeah. whereas this one is, it's you know there's not a lot of, like I said there's not a lot of redeeming qualities for most of the main characters. Yeah, yeah. like there's there's a lot of kind of odd people, downright bad people, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. kind of just generally crappy people, and then like two to three decent ish yes. people. Yeah, like. And most of them end up dead. Right. Um, yeah, I, you know, I always, I have a tendency to uh, give a lot of points for trying stuff mm. or ideas, uh, whether or not they are 100% uh, successful. Because yeah. I, I, I would rather see a movie that's kind of like doing some stuff or trying some weird shit. Sure. That doesn't totally land than just kind of a boring middle-of-the-road the movie. And I'm not saying that's what American Werewolf is, because American yeah. Werewolf is a... is a, it Like, from, from top to bottom, I will say, it knows what it, it wants to be. Like, it yes. is very much a product of, that's the movie that John Landis wanted to make. Yes. This yeah, one, and it is trying some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This one, I feel like... I, I, I appreciate all the kind of, like, different shit they're throwing at the wall. Yeah. Like... Watching it this time, I, I I really picked up on the the weird like media stuff, like the com- yeah. media commentary that like starts and ends the movie, but doesn't really have anything to do with the middle of it. Yeah, because like like you were saying, she they're sending her out to do this really dangerous thing, and then afterwards yes. they're treating her as like you know like well can you get on camera? Like they're right. clearly making points or taking right. shots at the media yeah but it doesn't really amount to much outside of the beginning and the end of the movie yeah and, and like sorry uh, the 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 very end scene when she turns into the werewolf on tv yes they cut to the viewers who are yep. like yep yeah, the news ladies turn it on to a yeah. werewolf again you know and like it's like oh yeah, yeah. what have we seen before and it, but it, but one like, of them even says oh it's amazing what they can do with special effects these yeah. days yeah and like that's fun yeah but in like the beginning and the end, those two scenes work really well together. Yes. But like I don't at the end of the movie feel like, oh, this was a meditation on media and the treatment of women in in the media sphere and violence on TV and stuff. Yeah. It's just like some stuff that's in there. Yeah. And I, I, I completely agree. And I think that's what I was going to start. I was kind of starting to circle around this a little bit. Mm. Like, you know, as usual, I'm working out my thoughts and feelings about things as we talk about sure, it. Sure. Yeah. Um. But when I brought up like how why the colony stuff feels really contrived to me, it does feel like a separate movie. It does, yes. Like it, it feels like two very different movies are happening at the yeah. same time. Yeah. There's like the the opening with Karen, you know, kind of being used as bait, and then like Chris and Terry's story. 
of trying to kind of figure out like who was this guy, this serial killer, what actually was going on here mm-hmm. is sort of tied into that because they are her, her colleagues and friends, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And then the end scene, those those things all feel of a piece. But then Karen's relationship with her husband, Bill, and the whole colony thing feels like a different movie Yeah, that's trying to make... Maybe like point some points you can connect, but like generally different points and generally yeah. like a different vibe. Yeah, because the colony stuff it feels like oh now they're going after like new age self help stuff and how sil- ridiculous that stuff. Can oh, be. Right, or even how dangerous that stuff right. can be. Which is because like cool. That's, yeah, and that's really interesting but, coming out of like like we were saying the sixties and the seventies where there were these like communes that often devolved into like places where like serious abuses of power occurred and 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 they even make they make a reference to jonestown i think yeah they they do yeah and so like that's really interesting too like Mm -hmm. if you look at the colony as more of a of a an allegory for just the normal seeming people who get who got roped into these communities who then became monsters like yeah that's really interesting shit. I want to go more into that about how like one charismatic leader can like seduce people into to doing things they would have never otherwise done. Like yeah, yeah. that's really scary. That's an interesting concept. And yeah. then like the media stuff and like the inherent like misogyny of like modern media and, and television, like especially back in the eighties, like that's also very interesting of right, her right. being like used as bait and then expected to just kind of get on TV and perform for everybody's enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Like all of these things are really, really interesting concepts. There's just too many of them in like a 90 minute movie. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think, I think the thing that's making them feel so disparate mm-hmm. is the fact that Karen is such a worthless character. Yeah. Because like I, I was as I was spoken watching like it, a real bill over there. <laughs> Jeez, you just don't know what it's like, Amanda. <laughs> eh, she's probably pregnant or something. Anyway, yeah. Um, God, that, that was that was my favorite line from the beginning when Kevin McCarthy just like well, she's probably yeah. pregnant. I lo- Kevin McCarthy's <laughs> the best. I I Kevin McCarthy, uh, the lead actor from the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yes, but I know him. And will always know him as R.J. Fletcher from the Weird Al movie UHF. He's the villain. He's the, <laughs> villain. Seen that. He's the villain in UHF. So okay. he'll, he's that's what I see anytime I see him. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's the guy from UHF. Okay. Um, he also in that movie also plays a television, the head of a television station. So, oh, yeah. just... um, but yeah, Karen. As I was watching it this time, it was the first. This is the first time I had watched like sit down and like watch this in a long time. Yeah. Um, which. Uh, Oddly enough, there wasn't. It didn't seem to be there. There was no HD stream of it. it the stream yeah. that we watched was was fairly kind of grimy, which yeah, kind of worked, kinda worked yeah, for the yeah. movie. Yeah, uh, but there were some pieces I was kind of hoping to see in HD, like when right. the colors get more yeah. vibrant. And stuff. Anyway, um, but Karen is like the potential is here. Yeah, for a real finding your strength story. Yeah. Given that you've got this character who's being thrust into a dangerous situation and not really uh, um, respected by her, the people she works with. Yeah. Then they go to this colony 
and she's not respected by her husband yep. or even the people around things. She's crazy, blah, blah, blah. And then you would think, okay, well, this is setting the stage for her to have some sort of character change where she mm-hmm. finds her inner strength and d- kills the literal monsters while also killing yep. the m- metaphorical monsters. They don't do that. She kind of stays yeah. yeah, helpless through the whole movie. Yeah, if if anything, it's, it's actually, in my opinion, even a little bit worse than that mm-hmm. because she set up at the very beginning... Um, I think I kind of said or implied earlier that I that like you know that the, her her network producers were like forcing her to do this. Yeah, but she seems like she wants to help. Yeah, like she yeah. seems like she has opted into doing this. Like this guy has been killing women and he's been harassing and terrifying me, and I'm not just going to sit back and right, take it. Right, I'm going to actively help pursue and capture this terrible criminal, and like that's really fucking ballsy like yeah, yeah. that's really brave and, and that's that's like an impressive thing to do as somebody who like you're you're a tv presenter like you're 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 a newswoman you're you're a news journalist right. like yeah. you're not a cop you're not trained to handle these things you're not even like trained in like psychology or anything and she's still gonna put herself in very real danger to try to help other people and stop right. this guy. Right, yeah. So she starts from this position of being kind of a, an unlikely badass mm-hmm. and then goes downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. Which is so disappointing because, like, if the arc had been more, like, she starts off as this sort of almost, like, stereotype of, like, you know, the ball buster, strong mm-hmm. woman and whatever, and then she's kind of, like, taken down several notches by this experience with this serial killer... But then during the the middle of the movie in the colony kind of rediscovers her strength right. on like a yeah. more solid foundation yeah. and then swings back up to sort of rescue herself or herself and others maybe. Mm-hmm. That would be a more satisfying character yeah, arc for definitely. this person. Yeah. And instead it's just like, wow, what a badass journalist putting herself in harm's way. Now she's completely traumatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Continues to be traumatized, <laughs> and then and then she gets killed on TV. Yeah, the end. Yeah, I I think I think ultimately what would have helped a lot is if they had pulled a Shining and had Chris get mm. killed as soon as he gets there. <laughs> I was thinking that, or even um, like the fly, um, like like we're you know in 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 when we watch the fly and it's like the guy comes, the ex boyfriend oh, comes to save her. Stathis. Yes, thank you. Um. And he comes and he helps, but he also ends up really injured. And yes, like, yeah. And 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 the girlfriend there has to right. be the one to, yeah. to kind of step up and save the day. Yeah. Like, sure, have him do that. Have him come and provide the car and the silver bullets, you know, and then yeah. have her be like, I'm going to get us out of this. Yeah, it's so, it is so strange the way that they handle her because she does nothing yeah. to, to help her situation. But then at the end... She's got this like moment of uh, selfless heroicness where she is going to go and change into a werewolf live on camera in order to, I guess, tell everybody that werewolves exist. And it seems like a little bit a little too little too late at that point for her character. It's a great yeah. ending. I, I like the ending, like, in, in a vacuum. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I also like, for some reason, she turns into, like, a Pekingese instead of a werewolf. I know. 
as she turns into like a sheet zoo or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, She's a wear puppy. And like I, I, I would even like it if, I, like I think it would tie things to, together better if that was the end of she's got her mojo back. She's slayed these inner demons. Now yeah. she's going to go show the world. And then it's a big dud because of the, the new, the television violence stuff they'd set up. Right. Like, then it feels like, oh, okay, that's, it's a, it's a downer of an ending, but it feels more in line with the rest of the, the movie. That, that yeah. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like maybe she doesn't have to get killed in a blaze of glory on TV, but like, still nobody believes it yeah 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 um how do you feel about the other characters because i (laughs) i i actually i think her husband sucks yes but i think he is well he's a good character in that he sucks the appropriate amount i don't think he's i think most of the characters in this are pretty good uh you know he's he's definitely kind of interesting in that he's trying to be supportive but then ultimately isn't because he gets seduced by the sexy she-wolf lady um yeah there's definitely like i i think also it's tough looking back at this 40 year old movie and like applying how we might feel and and how we might see things now Mm -hmm. to how it was seen then but like his shittiness feels so heavy-handed to me yeah Yes. Do you know, like, I, I feel like it's interesting. This is going to seem like a non sequitur, but uh, my husband and I just watched Midsummer. Okay. And the relationship in Midsummer feels like the more modern equivalent of yes. Karen and Bill's relationship. Yeah, that's actually a really good parallel. Yeah. 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 So it's like, but in, in Midsummer, you sort of spend most of the movie kind of feeling like, okay, here, here are two people who are not right for each other, but they're both at least somewhat trying. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a point where you sort of are like, oh wait, maybe this person just sucks. Yeah. Um pretty much right away <laughs> with with Karen and Bill, I was just like, oh, this guy sucks. Yes. Yeah. Because even when he introduces himself, they're like, oh, you must be you must be Mr. White. Like you you're oh you're Karen White's husband. You must be Mr. White. And they're like, he's like, no, it's O'Neill. She goes by her maiden name at work. <laughs> and he says it in this way that's like so clear immediately that he, that that fucking pisses him off. Yeah. But he yeah. won't say anything about it because, you know, she should know better, but she doesn't. So yeah. I'm just going to be over here passive aggressive. And then she's like assaulted by this serial killer who, like I said, then gets killed in front of her. Mm-hmm. And nobody knows what he's done to her. Right, yeah. Like, she doesn't even know. She doesn't remember. And he, like, immediately tries to put the moves on her in bed. And then gets real mad. At, like, gets real huffy about the fact that she doesn't want to have while, sex. While I am not excusing that. Uh-oh, here we go. No, Fuck it's Fuckboy Bill apology time. No, it's not that. It's just, like, I think <laughs> you can you, you might be able to get to, to space that up being like, all right, we don't exactly know how much time has passed. But even still, that's a big thing to get over. And he, at the very yeah. least, should not be mad about it. Yes, you know? <laughs> yes. So that's what I'm saying is like, I, I can't tell. I can't tell if that just is such a glaringly huge red flag to me now yeah. in the year 2021. Whereas maybe in 1981, there'd be a little bit more of a feeling of like, well, yeah, I mean, she did go through a lot, but you can't blame him. Like, that is that is hard. You know, the rejection. Your I, wife yeah. shouldn't reject you like that. Like, I, 
I don't think that you should ever say you can't blame him because sure, maybe that's yeah. the wrong. But I'm just now wondering. who's the misogynist? I know, Amanda. It's, it's, look, internalized misogyny is a real problem. Yeah, for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. No, but but do you know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder yeah, if it would yeah. be, have been, uh, you know, more of like a a a of a red a red flag that you sort of caught in 1981 that felt like ooh, that feels weird don't like that whereas now it just seems almost like cartoonish yeah i think you're right i think i think there's a i think looking back on on a lot of these movies that stuff is going to stand out more now than it did yeah because i mean when we when we talked about black christmas oh yeah black christmas was like we were like oh wow (laughs) i can't even believe that they got away with this and i don't mean that like from the, the standpoint of like man, you can't make movies like this anymore. It was just like so on the nose about how awful women were treated. Yeah. And we like couldn't parse out whether or not it was commenting on it or it was like, this is just how people did things. Right, right, yeah. So like when, once once you, you are sort of like looking back at this and you're trying to take a historical perspective, it's hard. It's hard to say like, do I hate Bill so much just because I'm looking at him through a modern day lens yeah. or did audiences at that time look at Bill and be like, fuck that guy. What a jerk. Yeah. I I have to imagine that the intent is more the latter. Like they knew how shitty they were making him. Yeah. Because the beginning of the movie is so clearly all the men in her life are being shitty to her. Yes. You know, the thing about, oh, maybe she's pregnant. Right. Get her on camera, even though she just got assaulted, you know. Uh, when she goes into the sex store, the guy's like, uh, I knew I shouldn't have let a chick yes! into the store. He calls her a broad. You shouldn't have let the broad in, drove out all the customers. <laughs> you know. Um, like the, I, like, I like that voice. I don't know who the, what that, that character that was. That voice shows up more often than you'd think on our podcast. <laughs> um, Sean and I have invented an entire Batman character who just talks Oh, like there that. you go. That's actually, that fits. That, that fits. I see it already. Um but yeah, like it, they're, they're very, see that, that's one of the things that's kind of confusing or unsatisfying about this movie is like, they're yeah. so clearly setting that stuff up. I feel like yeah. that the fact that they don't deal with a lot of it makes you kind of go, oh, yeah. I, I guess that wasn't what they were doing. Right. Like, is that guy, are we supposed to think that that guy's behavior was generally okay? Because right. there's really no, yeah, there's no, there's no kind of mom, moment of catharsis over it. Right. Yeah. And then you do have a character like Terry, mm-hmm. the uh, the other lady journalist, as I'm sure they would say then, um, <laughs> who is treated very, like, fairly. And very, I like Terry. I, I, Terry's yeah. great, but I mean, like, her and Chris, they seem like they genuinely like each other. Yeah. Like, not yeah. only are they dating, but they're like, ac- they actually like each other, and they, they seem to work well together, and they, they investigate this serial killer and mm-hmm. try and figure out what's going on, and... and you see none of that sort of like underlying misogyny directed at her. Right. Like right. she escapes it all somehow. Yeah. And it's so overwhelming when whenever Karen's character is involved, the misogyny is like so overwhelming. Mm. It just, it, yeah, it just feels like a little bit like, oh, we're just going to put all the douchebags around her. But then Terry can be like kind of a, you know, badass, like putting the pieces together. Yeah, yeah on her own yeah and it's it does it does go further to make it frustrating because the the lion's share of this movie is she's literally at a a therapy clinic yeah and deals with none of her problems like and i I don't i don't even mean like i need to see her 
work through the 12 steps of whatever no, but no, just no, but like there, isn't there like only one scene where they they sort of have her close her eyes and like talk through and try yeah. and get her to talk about what she saw yeah and she just kind of screams and freaks out and they're like well that's enough for today yeah and yeah. then that's it like that's the extent of her therapy everything yeah. else is just her uh sleeping in a weird nightgown or wandering around in the woods in the dark yeah but but i, I guess i mean like i don't mean like literally seeing her go through therapy but just like yeah. if you set a story about someone with a problem if it's a horror movie yeah. someone with a problem it's set at a therapy clinic yes. they are going to go through some sort of sort of therapy yeah in some way that is probably not literal therapy right but like in this case werewolf therapy you know right I mean? surviving the werewolves right. would which, have been her her way of working through the trauma yeah which they don't do right so it feels, I, I think her character is such a missed opportunity. Yes. And I, you know, I do consider this kind of a classic horror movie, mm. but I would say this probably could be remade and improved on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the other characters, I, I like Terry. Um, Chris is fine. Chris is fine. <laughs> He's like kind of milk toast. Yeah, Terry and Chris basically just exist just for expository purposes. Yeah, and it's and that's too bad because they really could be sort of the the anti Bill and Karen. Yeah, you know, yeah. like there's there's I think more. I wish I wish there had been more opportunity to put those four characters together. Yeah, and kind of contrast them. Yeah, I do. I, I, it is, you talk about contrivances. I do feel it's fairly contrived when, uh, Terry goes to the colony after Karen calls her because she just can't handle it or whatever. Right. Like, it's like, why don't, why not send both couples there? So you can get, and so it'd be like, so Terry can be like, Karen, you do the thing you're going to do. We, we are going to go investigate this other thing for whatever reason. I mean, at least maybe it, you'd have to come up with a reason why they would go there and why they'd be investigating in that area. But at least it would get them there in a more organic way instead of Terry going by herself and then calling Chris while she's being killed by a werewolf to be like, Chris, it's a werewolf. (laughs) Chris, great boyfriend that he is. Yes. On board immediately that it's werewolves. in that Mazda and fucking books it. Yeah, and then spends the next 15 minutes in traffic. <laughs> yes, or but, getting gas. Yeah, or getting gas, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there's more organic ways to kind of like s- to play those two couples off of each other, especially yes. in this therapy thing. And- yeah, yeah, I, and it's, it's yeah, that, that feels like a missed opportunity to me. Um, I do like the fact that some of the background characters at the colony as much as they're all clearly kind of crazy weirdos mm-hmm. there there are enough of them that you can kind of like be like yeah i sw- yeah i've seen that guy I've sure. seen, i saw that guy walking around but like i don't know i th- i think i think i like the the sort of like the the loose weirdness of a lot of the background characters yeah, yeah. cuz like the only one who's really um is it John Carradine? Yes, the old yeah. man. Yes. Yeah. He's like very in your face. Um like night one, he's like, I can't do it anymore. I want to end it all. Put mm-hmm. me in the fire. Mm-hmm. And they're like, No. <laughs> and so like pretty early on, you know he's nuts. Right, yeah. But there are some other characters who are just kind of like generally unsettling in the background, and then a few people who look 
pretty normal. Yeah, yeah. But just aren't really given much screen time until the very end when it's like, blah, we're all monsters. Yeah, I do like that that other couple where the the woman, the wife is like, yeah, I've tried everything, Scientology, blah, blah, yeah. blah, TM, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, that's fun. Like, I, yeah. I kind of wish there was a bit more of her. Yeah, or even other characters, too, if not yeah. just her. Like, like yeah. just, yeah, a more, a more sort of like a giving giving a sense of like because this place isn't just a therapy like retreat it's not just a thing people go to for two weeks and then they go home yeah it's a place where all of these people live together yeah you know they it's referred to as a commune which Mm -hmm. which implies that at least some amount of these residents are permanent and they live together. Yeah, and definitely so, the ones wearing bones as necklaces. Right. I mean, me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, you would assume you'd see more sort of interactions between them mm-hmm. and more of just like, I don't know, sharing to- chores or debating what to do about something or like, you know, oh, we need to repair this cabin. Like, well, do you want to do it now or next weekend? Like, you, you just, you don't get any of that like sort of mundane interaction sure, between yeah. between anybody it just kind of very seems like i don't know like grown-up summer camp yeah you don't you don't get the scene from friday the 13th where paul is telling everybody what needs to be done around the camp before the kids show up. right yeah. right and i, I kind of want that like i yeah. sort of want to see because these you know you find out that they're all werewolves mm-hmm. and so they're all somehow connected like yeah. they've they were are they born werewolves that's the other thing were is they, like i mean clearly a bite or a scratch yeah. turns people into werewolves but like is it in, are there people that have intentionally become werewolves and if so like who brought them in and why and right. how are they connected and like i don't know you sort of get like a glimpse of that towards the, towards the end in the barn where they they kind of decide they're not going to follow the doctors in direction anymore right right yeah but you don't really get a sense before that that there are like any warring factions or like different philosophies on mm-hmm. how to live their lives as as a group of werewolves right, like yeah. like i wish you could feel some more of that tension beforehand yeah and you also i mean this is a therapy commune that is yes. all werewolves yeah and you, de- you they never do the thing where it's like yeah you know before i came here my life was a mess. And then they showed me what the real way was. And the real way is becoming a werewolf, you know? <laughs> or even the more like, you know, I'm really sorry, but like, you know, I, I know I, I screw up sometimes. I just, you know, I, I get these like violent urges and I'm, I'm trying to learn to control it like like the doc says. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I know I'm like, I'm behind everybody else. Everybody else has made more progress in the treatment than I have, but I'm, I'm having a really hard time. And you think it's like somebody talking about their anger management problems. And it's really that he keeps going out and killing the neighbors. Yes. You know, yes. like you, you, there's, there's so much you could have kind of done even in just like very quick, almost like seemingly throwaway scenes right, right, right. to sort of establish the fact that there is like a tension in these, in these werewolves, these werewolf people, about like what are they doing? Yeah, how are they living? What's yeah. going on? Yeah, I think I think ultimately the thing that hurts this movie the most is it moves so fast that yeah. they, they just don't have any time to to get into any of that stuff, and it's a bummer. Yeah, and they keep they keep kind of adding more of it in. Sure, and yeah. I and I think by I think one of the things that works in American Werewolf 
for me mm-hmm. is that it seems like you become a werewolf. Like when 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 you transform into a werewolf, you're just a mindless right beast. Yeah. You're just the monster at that point. And so there's no like there's no community of werewolves. There's no like hierarchy or social structure. They're yes. not debating chores. Well, and, that's like, why they're just roaming around getting shot on the moors. That's why. Right. As, as they should be because they're werewolves. Yes. <laughs> but, but do you know what I mean? It, it, it keeps things simpler. Yeah. It yeah. keeps things more like you're not asking these questions when you watch that movie because you're just like, no, there's, he's, he's a werewolf. Yeah. He isn't, he doesn't have a philosophy. He can't control it. He's a werewolf. Mm-hmm. They can control it. They just will themselves to turn into a werewolf or not. Yeah. So if you don't want to kill people, why don't you just not turn into a werewolf? Well, like yeah. Not, not just like not transform. It seems to be like that's the thing that gets lost in the in, in the therapy commune is it yeah. seems like the thing that they're teaching there is like becoming one with your inner beast kind of thing. Yeah. And like embracing your inner beast. Yeah. Which is... Kind of like giving lip service when the doctor's talking about his book and stuff, yeah, but they never the really, gift. yeah. <laughs> but they, the gift of being a werewolf, yeah. But they never really get into it at all, because like yeah. honestly, honestly, the thing that makes the most sense that they don't do is mm-hmm. that the reason they send her to the commune is because in her interaction with Eddie, yeah, she gets scratched, and so the doctor knows oh. what's coming, but she doesn't. Yeah, so he's like, you know yeah. what? Why don't you come out to the community for a while and we, you know, work on it? And so it's all about like, <laughs> wow, that's a, right? that's a much more elegant way. Of, and and honestly, like, then you could have it be like, look, there are more werewolves in the world than everybody thinks, and these accidents kind of happen pretty commonly. <laughs> this is really just summer camp for baby werewolves, yeah. where we teach you how to handle your shit before yeah. we let you go back to the world and and like you can still do the stuff with her husband where her husband is like getting into it in a negative way right and like really getting you know horny about it and stuff going full full feral yeah 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 but i think but that way the 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 commune makes more sense the therapy aspect makes more sense and then at the end what have you got with the character of karen yeah you've got someone who is now fully or at least more confident about the fact that they are a immortal monster (laughs) and is going to bring that back to do with whatever she's going to do after she decides that these monsters are need to be killed or whatever yeah or even just have it be the sort of two separate factions within within the colony of you know the people who would be maybe more like karen who are kind of saying we need to control ourselves we Mm -hmm. need to not hurt people and then have have fuck boy bill go the other way and right. be like nah yeah. being a horrible monster animal is great let's kill everybody yeah, they only and then pit them against each other at the end yeah they only touch on that like in a couple lines of dialogue yeah in that barn sequence where it feels no. like shit we forgot to mention this have somebody just say it yeah yeah and i i think that's kind of the main problem i have with most of this movie it's yeah, just that yeah. it's like where are you going Sure. Where where are you going, buddy? I don't I don't know. I can't tell. Is it over there? Is it over there? Like all good directions. Please yeah. just pick one. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, one direction that's fantastic is Harry the, Styles. Is <laughs> Harry Styles? Oh yes. Ha 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 ha. I'm not young. <laughs> uh, is the werewolf transformation, which is done by, was supposed to have been done by Rick Baker. He was supposed to do the special effects mm-hmm. in this, but he got, he ended up 
getting uh, caught up and ended up doing American Werewolf instead. Yes. So his protege, Rob Bottin, yes, did the special effects for The Howling. Uh, Rob Bottin, one of the, the best special effects guys in the 80s, did The Thing, uh, Robocop, Total Recall. We have definitely talked about him. We definitely have, yes. yes. Um, and so it's fun to have like between those two movies, you kind of have like a, a a master and student kind of like battle of the werewolf transformation. Yeah. And um, I think that scene in this one is awesome. I think the I I think the effects are very cool, and they they lean into the thing that Rob Bottin does a lot, which is he makes his stuff look great but shows you like very little of it. Yeah. So like the lights are always, it's very uh, creatively lit a lot. So it's a lot of like, you know, uh, highlights and everything's kind of like greasy yep. and shiny in a bit. Yep. But a lot of lights are off. So he's kind of hiding the seams a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I guess you could say that Rick Baker didn't have the luxury of doing that. And like that was uh-huh. kind of the point. Um. But yeah, I've I've always really loved the. I think some of the full werewolves are kind of goofy. Yeah, like they can get a little <laughs> bit silly. Yeah. Um, but the actual transformations I think are really well done, and I I also really love the severed hand oh, that turns back yeah. from the werewolf hand into the human hand. That's that looks really, well. really really good. But yeah, that that one big uh, showpiece transformation with Eddie. with Eddie is is really great. I think. You know, obviously, obviously it is. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's amazing. But it's interesting to me because I think in a weird way I still prefer the like Baker's version yeah, in yeah. in American Werewolf because and part of it I think for me is circumstantial because you you know me I get very stuck on like the story sure um it doesn't make any sense to me that like these transformations in The Howling take so long. Yeah. They Karen take just stands there and watches so them. long. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and and every, every, whoever's the victim, whether it's Terry or Karen or whoever, they just hang out and wait for it. Yeah, and it's like yeah. I like at least in the second time they do that. Yeah, when Chris shows up, yes, he just starts like vibrating, and yeah. it's like it's, we're gonna do this again. And then yeah. Chris just like Indiana Jones shoots yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's so it's tough because it's like on the one hand. I get it. Like you'd be so stunned to see this horrific thing happening in front of you, and it's also just like a, a way of of giving the transformation the time and the space that it deserves because it does look so good. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like in American Werewolf, the first time, what's his face? I'm blanking on his name. Um, David. The, thank you. Yes. Haha! <laughs> I got one. You did it. Um, I only know it because it's the same name as the actor. <laughs> Keeping it, keeping it simple. That's mm-hmm. how you got to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, when David transforms for the first time, he's alone. Right. Yeah. So it can take as much time as it as as it as they want it to. You can get as much of the the full effect of it all as as you want to, mm-hmm. and it makes sense narratively. Like no one's around, so it's like, yeah, nobody. It's it's not like in the midst of this confrontation. Right. 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 Whereas yeah. this one's it's in the midst of this confrontation, and like yeah. she knows like. He's a known serial killer. Yes. It's not even like it's Chris, her boyfriend, who was bitten and he comes in and is like, I have something to tell you and then starts turning into this horrible monster. Then I could understand having Terry be like, 
frozen in, in horror right, and right. fear and not knowing how to react because it's like, but I love him and I, I trust him and he would never hurt me, but also what the fuck. Mm-hmm. And instead it's like, no, he's already a serial killer. Even when you just thought he was a dude, like get out of there, like yeah. throw something at him. Please run away. Yeah, I I guess I kind of give it a little, I cut it a little slack because I'm thinking like there's... I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to uh, creative license, where it's like if if sure. you are watching it and you are engaged in the transformation, right, you're gonna forget that how long it's taken to do, you know, right. And I'm sure there's also an element of like the 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 view we are getting as the audience is like kind of these close-ups of different parts of him right, as he's yeah. transforming. These things could all be happening simultaneously, sure, yeah, which would cut down on the time, yeah. But but yes, yeah. I mean, I do think. That's it's one of those weird filmmaking things where it's like I feel like maybe if they didn't cut back to Karen just kind of standing there like with her hand up watching, yeah, it wouldn't stand out as much. That's a really good point because yeah, it does feel so like so much of the transformations are just like okay, right? Come on, like like I think it also maybe hurts it that it is at such a climactic confrontation yeah because yeah. you've gotten the momentum going of the story mm-hmm. and you want to see what's going to happen you want to see oh is she going to make it is she going to escape and then you have to sit and wait for like four full minutes while right. you know skin bubbles and everybody oozes like <laughs> it's really cool looking but it's also a little bit like you're you're you've you've stalled the momentum yeah yeah like really hard yeah yeah, yeah that's fair uh, the only other thing to mention is the music, which is by Pino Dinaggio, who, um, not Slim Pickens, not Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens <laughs> is such a great name. He's, I cannot believe it's real. I'm pretty sure it is a, uh, it is either a full stage name or yes. it is a nickname. It is a name he, he was, yes, bes- yeah. it was given or gave himself. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a, a, a so great. classic, uh, Western actor. Mm. Um, he's, it's always great when he shows up. Uh, he's, um, you might, you might recognize him as the, uh, the evil sheriff from, uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh my God. So we went in a whomping and a whomping. Oh my God. (laughs) Pulled an old number six on him. That guy. I am kind of stunned that I didn't. Somebody's got to go back and get a shitload of dimes. (laughs) I'm really shocked. I'm really shocked. I didn't. I that didn't. It didn't connect yep. until you said that, and now I feel really dumb. <laughs> Thank you for publicly humiliating. Oh me. no problem. No this problem. is my therapy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pino Donaggio is uh, a great composer. He's his stuff sounds. I have three of his soundtracks oh, on wow. final. I have the Howling, uh, Taurus Trap, which I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to us watching Taurus Trap, which is not on the list. Oh. I'm gonna make you watch that one. Okay. And uh, don't look now. He also did as well. Hmm. And he has a very like um, identifiable sound to his his music. I can't really d- describe what it is, but you kind of know when you hear it. Yeah. He did a lot of work with Brian De Palma. Uh, oh, he did, okay. He did the, the score for Carrie as well. Oh, okay. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. But huh. Yeah. It's it, the the music in this movie. I. It's the first time I'd watched it since owning the soundtrack. And it's mm. like, I've listened to the soundtrack more f- recently than watching the movie. Huh. And so the music stood out to me more this time. And I, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, wow, this is a pretty big, like, big soundtrack 
that they're laying over like fairly mundane stuff. Yeah. Like there's some big music going yeah. over like Terry rotary dialing a phone. Like Chris driving on the street. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It works for some reason, but it's it's it is an interesting score to go with this movie. Yeah, I never it's it's interesting cuz like talking about it now I see I see that mm-hmm. contrast, but like in watching it I never felt like wow this music is silly right now yeah. you know how sometimes you watch something and it's like if the music's really big and the scene's really just like yeah and then so-and-so made a peanut butter sandwich you're like is this supposed to be funny like what's happening right, right. i never had that feeling with this so yeah it, it works for me it was yeah, good yeah yeah uh i think that's about it i think we covered pretty much it. did you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap it up why is everybody taking walks in the woods by themselves in the middle of the night in this movie? Yeah, if you ever go to camp, that's what you do. I went to camp and they wouldn't let us do that. Yeah, you're a child. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of there is a lot of walking walking around yeah. at, at night in in the woods. Yeah. Um kind of it is fairly aimless. At least in yeah. like Friday the 13th movies, they generally have somewhere they're going. Right, even it's, if it's like yeah. I got to go pee by that tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's like yeah, sure. Yeah. But anyway, I just had to, I had to comment on that because <laughs> people kept just like wandering out into the dark by themselves. And I was like, why are you going alone? Just like, keeping yourselves open for the possibility of freaky werewolf sex by fire. You know, you never know. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say of like personal enlightenment because that's it was thera- therapy yeah, camp. That's true. I was like, oh, okay. Same thing. Sure. Uh, this is not on our list. Uh, would you put it on the list? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to, since there have been such shakeups, <laughs> uh, I need to kind of go back and reassess what is even on the list sure. still at this point. Because this is this is one that is very, this is definitely a horror movie. Sure, you know, sure. it, it's, it's kind of got some of the trappings of the classic monster movie, and that's great. And I, I feel like we've had several movies where we even kind of debate, is this even a horror movie? Right. And... In that case, I could see myself maybe swapping this out with something like, you know, if American Psycho was still on the list. Mm -hmm, If -hmm. you asked me, should this or American Psycho be on the list? I would put this on instead. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just for the werewolf transformation and and the sort of classic horror movie tropes that Mm -hmm. are included. Um, But if you're asking me, would would I swap out something like, you know... I don't want to say Black Black Christmas is on my mind because we talked about it a little bit. But like... That one's maybe, like, obviously I wouldn't swap that one out. But, like, you know, would, would I swap American Werewolf out in this? I'd probably keep American Werewolf. Yeah, I, I think um, I would put it on the list. I would probably put it in the lo- in the lower, like, quarter. Like, one, yeah. 150 to 200, somewhere in there. Oh, yeah. I, I do really like this movie, but I'm also, yeah. I'm realistic about its its. Yeah, if, if, if somebody said this was 180, you'd be like, yeah, all right. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. like, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, I would probably put it somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's gonna do it for the howling. Uh, I hit the randomizer button, beep boop boop beep boop beep boop beep boop, and we've landed on number sixty, nineteen sixty one's The Innocents, which yeah. hey, weird enough, weird thing, weirdest thing. It's playing at the Brattle next week. We may as well go see it in the theater. That's what a, an amazingly uncontrived yeah, coincidence. Just, it's crazy how that stuff just shakes it's out. It's like way. when your therapist tells you to just go to this colony. Pliskin. I, it's true. It was a coincidence. Oh, hello. He doesn't believe me. Um, so yeah, th- that movie, I, I, the innocence, not to talk it up too much, but I, mm. I saw this movie. I forget where I, I think like 
when I was in freshman in college, somewhere around there, is like when I first really kind of got into like, all right, I'm gonna find a list of the most like the scariest horror movies that are kind of like off the beaten path. Yeah. Like ones that you wouldn't necessarily find. It's like it's not just like The Exorcist and Friday the Thirteenth. Right. Some of like the lesser right. known ones. That's where I discovered Exorcist Three and uh, the Changeling. Oh, okay. And other George C. Scott vehicles. <laughs> um, and I think that's where I found the Innocence. And I, when I watched it, I fucking loved it. Oh, okay. It is. It's the the photographer on this is a guy named Freddie Francis. <laughs> Great who name. Is who later became a director for the Hammer movies, did some Hammer oh. Dracula movies. He did my favorite Hammer Dracula movie. He's got a really great style. And if you've seen The Others, the the Nicole Kidman movie, yes, The Others takes a lot from The Innocents. Nice. Yeah. Okay, because I really like that movie. And it's, uh, it's written by Truman Capote. What? Yep. And it's... <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm having a moment over here. What? Yep, it's written by Truman Capote, and it is an adaptation of The Turn of the Screw. Oh, yeah. oh shit. Okay. This is way more up my alley than mm-hmm. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was ready for like The Devils Part 2. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> this is a nice, uh, quiet 1960s ghost ghost story movie from Britain. So, All right. Now I'm really excited that we're going to go yeah. see this in a theater. I haven't watched it in years. I'm really looking forward to watching it again. So. And I've never seen the theater, so that's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Awesome. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for us for the for the howling. Yes. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Oh, also on what month is this? October, October yes. twenty on Wednesday, October twenty seventh. Amanda and I are going to be doing a live stream where we talk about Halloween Kills. Yes, which is going to be our big uh, Halloween episode thing that we do. Uh, we're going to spoil the hell out of it, Damn. or maybe we won't see it and we'll just make it up. <laughs> Uh, wouldn't that be something yeah but it's it's fun I find it fun that we continue to do the sequels and have never even done the first one yet so. yep 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 but we're trying to stay relevant and we're going to be uh, talking about Halloween kills so hopefully you'll join us for that on uh, Wednesday the 27th probably at 8 yeah keep your eyes open for the link or whatever uh, thank you guys for listening thank you for supporting us on Patreon where we are covering Friday the 13th uh, we have just covered in september we did jason goes to hell october mm-hmm. we will be doing jason x which hopefully west will be joining us for i believe he will be nice uh so that'll be fun and yeah you can if you want to follow that you can f- help support us at the uh, patreon.com slash the penske files a lot of p's in that one so i get them mixed up but uh thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time bye everyone bye